Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 131, and today we're just marching through that same series of John book of John, and we're looking at pastoral pictures chapter by chapter of Jesus, and we're trying to learn all that we can about pastoral ministry from him, the Good Shepherd. Uh, we get that word Good Shepherd from John chapter 10, and uh, we're just trying to glean everything that we can from his life, his ministry, and um, as he shepherds us, as he pastors us, we learn pastoral ministry, and what we're, what we're doing, just as a reminder, is breaking up the idea that there's somehow a conflict between 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1 in the requirements of an elder, and then the life that we see Jesus live. And so today we're in John chapter 5, and we're looking at a healing of an invalid, but also we're looking at the passing over of the opportunity to heal many, like multitudes of people that were blind, lame, and deaf. But let's go ahead and pray, and then I'm going to make an appeal to you, and uh, we'll talk about the intensive again real quick, and then we'll get into John, John chapter 5. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. I ask for leading in this conversation. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how riveting your word is that we can read the Bible over and over again, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and keep discovering riches, I mean, over and over again. And so we thank you that you have written your word the way you have written it. And we want to learn everything we can about pastoral ministry. And as pastors and as Christians, for all the non-pastors listening in, we want to become more and more Christ-like as men and more and more Christ-like for the ladies that are listening in, more and more Christ-like as women. And so help us to, to live our lives obediently to you. We trust God that you're going to make this helpful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, we are accruing some cost as a ministry, and um, we're just upgrading a few features on the website and doing a couple things here and there, and would love for you to be able to help. And so I, I thought about opening a Patreon account, and uh, even actually did, but I've not went live with it. But instead, I thought I would just go ahead and ask and appeal to you to write a check, an actual check. You can donate on PayPal. You can do that if you're watching on Gab. You can just donate because the PayPal link is right, right you know, underneath the video there. But if you want to write a check to the ministry, you can. It can be really helpful, any amount that you would like to send. It's only $50 a month that we're going to be uh, starting to be charged because of the upgrades. And so I can cover that out of pocket. But it would be nice if you're a listener to be able to just pitch in and help. I would really appreciate it. I've never made much money. Never, I don't think I've made a dime off the podcast. The other events that we've done, I've made a little bit. Like last year, I made maybe like $1,300 or $1,400 after all expenses uh, with the ministry. And there's a lot of expenses with the intensive. And I mean, it's it's a, an event that costs thousands of dollars. And uh, that's why some of the costs are, are there. But uh, in the end, I'm not in this to make, you know, um, you know, tons of money. But it is helpful. If you could send something in, I would really appreciate it. And uh, it's just been a lot of fun. I'm going to keep doing this. I mean, I'm, I've got my ideas to keep doing this for the long haul. So the podcast, I think, is here to stay. Um, as the Lord wills, and um, hopefully it continues to be helpful for you. Um, okay, the intensive, I would love for you to come. Check it out. Just look at the link in the show notes, and if you have any questions, reach out to me. would love for you to register and come. We've got a great group of guys from our church that's coming, great uh, elder teams from other churches that are coming, leadership teams, and we've got a really solid group that's uh, going to be there. And we make memories every year. This last year you've heard me talk about was pretty intense, and this, this year we're expecting... Uh, to be a lot of fun. It's 14-mile float the first day, which is on the 5th. We get there on the 4th. It's the 4th through the 6th. And then the 6th, we do an 8-mile float. 
And we do four sessions, and we're going to be talking about God and government. Just a really crucial time to be thinking through that. Uh, many of you have been thinking through that because of 2020, but we're going to be working through that even more and in greater detail uh, on that on that trip. So please come. All right, John chapter 5. I love this chapter. we got three big points that we're going to be looking at. Um, the healing at the pool, uh, and Jesus passes over the multitudes. Secondly, we're going to look at how Jesus was not driven by the needs of people. Needs abounded. They were everywhere. But Jesus was not driven by the needs of people. That's not what motivated his life and ministry. He obeyed his heavenly Father. That's what we see, is that he did what he saw his Father doing. That was his driving principle in his life. And then third, we're going to look at getting a proper hermeneutic. What does Christ say about the scriptures? And then we want to agree with him on that. And there is no disconnect between what Christ says and what Paul says or what Peter says or anything like that. All of the Bible is red letter. It's all written and equally inspired. But we're going to see what Jesus has to say about that. And then we'll call it a wrap. So number one, Jesus passes over the multitudes. So John chapter 5, and I'm, I'm back reading from the ESV. There were so many people at our church, everybody had the ESV, so I've switched back to the ESV. So Ryan, if you're listening in right now, our conversation was helpful yesterday. And uh, we were at a party yesterday, and they were just talking, hey, listen, we all use the ESV, and I've enjoyed my time with the NASB, but I'm back to the ESV. And I'm reading out of the Creeds and Confessions Bible, Goatskin, really love this Bible, so it's going to be nice getting into this. Okay, in, um, in these, the roofed colonnades, lay, lay multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered. Now, keep in mind, it's interesting to me that the sick man did not even answer in an appropriate manner. He didn't even say, Yeah, that'd be great. But what does he say? Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred, and while I'm going, another steps in before me. Jesus said to him, Get up your bed. Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once, the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. Now, a couple of interesting things to note. You've probably preached through John or are somewhat familiar with this passage. He answers back with Jewish folklore about an angel stirring the water. The man doesn't answer back appropriately at all about wanting to be healed. Then, as the story goes on, we find out that he doesn't even know who Jesus is. He's, Jesus walks away, and then he, he is asked who did this, and he didn't even know who it was, didn't give the name of Jesus because he didn't know. He does not go seeking Jesus out. Jesus comes and finds him. Just a fascinating thing. And then says, go and, and sin no more that nothing worse may, may happen to you. So the man doesn't go to hell. And theoretically, this, this is a man that would one day come to trust in Christ. Uh, he's fascinated by Christ because he's been healed after 38 years. And so Jesus heals this man. It's a remarkable healing story. But something else that's remarkable, if we peel back the layers to this story, is that there were a multitude of lame blind and paralyzed people, or blind, lame, and paralyzed people that were laying there at that pool. There were needs everywhere. I mean, this is like a Mother Teresa dream day. There's needs to be met everywhere. I mean, you look this way, you know, to the right, and there's a multitude over there. You, you look this way to the left, a multitude. Right in front of you, a multitude. And then here was this one man. And we look at this story, it's a remarkable story, and this is, in fact, the story that, that many people use to say, look, Jesus 
often healed everyone who was there, but then he didn't heal everyone in this story. So, I mean, obviously I'm not the first one that's got this take on it, but it is interesting to me to note that needs were everywhere, but Jesus was not driven by the needs of people. Certainly he met the needs of people. Certainly he met this man's need. And, you know, a proper understanding of who Jesus was was not a prerequisite for this guy's needs to be met or the healing to happen. But Jesus was willing to overlook all of these needs. You know, I'm reminded of the Eugene Peterson quote that I've quoted so many times, the chapter on the lonely pastor, or the uh, not the lonely, the busy pastor, and he talks about how being a busy pastor is an affront to everyone. That that is offensive. It should be as offensive as an adulterous pastor. Because the busy pastor is the man who's always getting ministry fed to him, but he doesn't have a positive definition of what ministry is from the scriptures. He's letting his life be driven by everybody else, and he's not defining his work by what God has told him to do. And I think it's one of the driving things that I've wanted to do. It's one of the things that I've wanted to do is help you define who a pastor is and what a pastor does. Get handles on pastoral ministry biblically. Think regulative principle pastoring. That's what I've tried to help you with. And here uh, we see in Jesus a great example of doing what he has, doing what his father has told him to do, not just letting the needs of people drive his work. I mean, Jesus could have spent literally all day long just going about healing people one by one or just saying you're all healed, but just sitting and meeting with people all day long. And certainly there's a time and there's a place for that. Jesus uh, knew how to spend time with people. I'm not saying never spend time with people. But he was not driven by the crowd. The crowd did not own him. That was not his motivating factor. So what was his motivating factor that day? And I love this. It was obedience to his heavenly Father. We see that in the very next paragraph or the very next section. Starting verse 19, Surely, truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees his Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. The reason Jesus didn't heal everybody there is because the Father didn't want him to. That's not what the Father was doing. The Father was about healing the one man and not healing the multitude. And so this, this is a huge principle for, for pastors. <coughs> for all Christians, for that matter. <coughs> Sorry for those who are tuning in. I'll edit this out on the audio. But I drank a cup of coffee and the coffee went down the wrong pipe. Oh, goodness. <coughs> this is a huge lesson, <coughs> a huge lesson for us all. We want to obey our Heavenly Father. There are needs everywhere. And this one principle we see here that drove Jesus day in and day out is what I saw, and if you'll think about it, and if you can see it, if you have eyes to see it as well, this is what happened in 2020 and continues to happen in 2021. We are letting the needs of people, and not even the needs of people, perception of needs that people have drive pastoral work. We have been slaves, not to the Father's will, but to the will of the public. That's why churches canceled all across this country, canceled services for much of 2020. That's why a large percentage of churches are continuing to say, you've got to wear masks. It's because they're driven by an apparent need of people rather than doing the will of their Father. Do what God has said. This is how Jesus lived his life. 
And this is how all of us should be living our lives. What does God have to say? What is obedience to his law? We're all really good at constructing man-made laws and structures. Look, but there's needs everywhere. And look, we're supposed to love our neighbors. So the, the guiding principle of Jesus that day should have been meet all of their needs right now. Look, bind up those wounds. Heal that man. Heal that woman. But he doesn't do it. He heals one man. That's it. And then walks away. He could walk away from needy people and have a good conscience because he was obeying his heavenly father. Now, what does obedience look like? Okay, pastor, cl clear the air. The smoke is, you know, cleared. You know, get the lasers out of the way. Um, get everybody's needs out of the way. Look in the scriptures. Put your nose here this morning, today, this week, every day. Okay, get your elder team together. What is obedience to this to this book, to obedience to God look like? And it looks like getting in church, having church, taking the masks off, or letting people make their own decisions for goodness sake, a thing called self-control, a fruit of the Spirit. Okay, obey God. There's needs everywhere. Don't let the needs of people distract you from obeying God. And often, obeying God means meeting the needs of people as time allows, if prayer and ministry of the Word is not neglected, or delegating the work to deacons to be able to meet the needs. But you guys get the point. Let's obey God. And we want to have the exact same driving motivation in our life that we saw in Jesus, which is which was obedience to his heavenly father. Okay, third, let's get a proper hermeneutic. Um, the scriptures really are Christ-centered. Now, I don't fully buy into, in fact, I don't buy into the law gospel hermeneutic that's that's popular in the, in the gospel-centered crowd that I loved for so long. I do buy into that partly, but not exclusively, okay? In the gospel-centered movement, it's very, very Lutheran in the sense that there's an only a recognition of a law gospel hermeneutic through all of the Bible. And so the law of God only kills. It does not prescribe to us. There is no life to be found in it. Now, certainly, there is no motivation to be found there. It cannot bring us to life because that's the first use of the law. But you guys have heard me talk about this. We have to rediscover the glory of the second and third use of the law. We just have to, we have to see it. It's, it's beautiful, and it's, it's true and right, and it's there in the text. But when we get to John chapter 5, Jesus is addressing a crowd of people who, doesn't, who they don't understand that the law is first to kill. They think that they can find life in Moses. They think that obedience and adherence to the law can save. They think from the inside out they can do this thing. In fact, in verse 39, he condemns them for not communing with him or seeing him in the text. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Now, this is so important as we're studying the scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is about Jesus. You can discover riches about who Christ is and what Christ has done everywhere. All these redemptive themes. When you go through the judges, the highs and the lows, when you see God's wrath in the book of Joshua, you see the glory of God's wrath and his justice and what we've deserved as human beings, man, woman, child, all come out, we all come out of the womb, sinful and rebellious against God. And we see visible manifest manifestations of God's wrath. And then you see on the cross, the cross is the ultimate visible manifestation of God's wrath. That's in greater detail. And it's more clear than hell itself and the gospel of Joshua and the book of Joshua. And so you look at the rise and fall of judges and, and the wickedness of Israel, and then you see the redemptive work through um, God rescuing his people from Egypt or pulling his people out of Babylon back into, into Jerusalem. You see it everywhere. 
And if you don't see Christ in the text and commune with him, well, then we're, we're, we're missing life that's there for us. And so Jesus warns them, don't just read the scriptures and miss me. Commune with me. Discover more about me. This is what the scriptures are about. And then later on in the passage at the end of the chapter, he says, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. The Torah is about Jesus. The law of God, it's about Jesus. Moses, it's about Jesus. Jesus is the prophet, priest, Aaron, and he is the king, although the kings king come later. Jesus is all of these things. He wrote of me, but if you will not believe his, his writings, how will you believe my words? A proper biblical her- hermeneutic. We can talk about the law, gospel, covenants, and all that kind of stuff later, but we all have to agree on, all have to agree on that the scriptures are a revelation about Jesus. And if we miss communion with him, and if we just read it and study it and memorize it, but we don't commune with God himself, if we don't see Jesus in the text and commune with our big brother, our Savior Jesus, well, we're missing what God has for us. Okay, guys, I hope this is helpful. Please like, give a review, share, I don't know, all the things that you can do to get this out there. I want this to be as helpful as to, to many as many people as possible. I've gotten a lot of new listeners lately. If this has been helpful, reach out to me. Let me know. I, I'm always encouraged by that. Anybody that's putting out material like this is encouraged by that. Leave a review rating on iTunes and uh, subscribe if you're watching on Gab. just want to thank you guys so much for tuning in uh, and keep coming back. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.